So for a moment, imagine if you go offline and extract yourself from society. If you or someone decided to do that back in 1995, only deciding to come back today, all these years later, you or they will have seen some major changes in modern technology, new diseases, innovative ideas, the latest music, new arts, new all kinds of things. You might be amazed or horrified, or both. What if it's not just you or your family, but an entire society, or even a whole country? Then, what if that whole country is off the grid, as they say, since the year 1756? That's right, 1756. So many things would have come and gone since then, because it was, after all, over 250-odd years ago. That country would have to wake up out of their slumber and be either forced to catch up or get slapped around by other countries who have a few guns and drones. Now, I know what some of you may be thinking. Of course, in the span of history, tribes or groups were indeed isolated for multiple reasons. The peoples, for example, of pre-penal Australia come to mind right away. And there are more. And a lot of them are unknown simply because their records were not saved. In the modern era, modern history is technically assumed to be the post-1500s, but to me, modern history is when humans started to use that great invention, gunpowder. In the modern era, only one country has willingly, willingly decided to isolate themselves. And that country was Japan, the era known as the Edo period, spelt E-D-O, or also known as the Tokugawa period. This period started in the year 1603 and ended in 1868, a total of 265 years. This was when Japan was under the rule of the Tokugawa Shogunate and the country's 300 feudal lords known as the Daimo. Before I jump into the Edo age, we need to know the situation in Japan around 1603. What historians consider the Shengo period is a period in history of near-constant civil war in Japan, including social upheaval and intrigue from the year 457 to 1615. That alone is over a hundred years of civil war and strife. The Shanogu period was initiated by the Wing War in 1467, which collapsed the feudal system of Japan under the Akishaga shogunate. Various samurai warlords and clans fought for control over Japan in the power vacuum. The arrival of Europeans, mostly Portuguese, who were under the rule of the, under the, rule of the Spanish crown at the time, in 1543 introduced the long gun into Japanese warfare, and Japan ended its status as a tributary state of China around 1549. 
Oda Nobunaga dissolved the Ashishaga Shogunate in 1573 and lodged a war of political unification by force, including the Aishinyama Honganji War until his death in the Honoji Incident of 1582. Nobunaga's successor, Toyohami Hayodishi, completed his campaign to unify Japan and consolidate his rule with numerous influential reforms. Hayadoshi launched the Japanese invasions of Korea in 1592, but their eventual failure damaged his prestige before his death. That was in 1598. Toyogawa Laisu displaced Hayadoshi's young son and successor, Toto Yami Hayadori, at the Battle of Shikara in 1600 and re-established the feudal system under the Toyogawa shogunate. The Shinoku period technically ended when Toyotami loyalists were defeated at the Siege of Osaka in 1615. Emerging from this chaos of the Shinoku period, the Edo period was characterized by economic growth, strict social order, isolationist foreign policies, a stable population, perpetual peace, and popular enjoyment of arts and culture. The shogunate was officially established in Edo, now Tokyo, on the 24th of March, 1603, by Toyugawa Le This victory in 1600 gave him control of all Japan. He rapidly abolished numerous enemy dynamo houses, reduced others such as that of the Totoyami, and redistributed the spoils of war to his family and to his allies. The Toyugawa or Edo period brought 250 years thus of stability to Japan. The political system evolved into what historians call Bakuhan, a combination of the terms Bakufu and Han, domains, to describe the government and society of that era. The Toyugawa shogunate not only consolidated their control over a reunified Japan, but they also had unprecedented power over the emperor, the court, all dynamo, and the religious orders. The emperor was held up as the ultimate source of political sanction for the shogun, who basically was the vassal for the imperial family. The Toyogawa helped the imperial family recapture its old glory by rebuilding its palaces and granting it new lands. To ensure a close tie between the imperial clan and the Toyogawa family, Lesao's granddaughter was made an imperial consort in 1619. A code of laws was established to regulate these dynamo houses. The code encompassed private conduct, it encompassed marriage, dress, types of weapons, and the number of troops allowed. It required feudal lords to reside in Edo every other year. They prohibited the construction of ocean-going ships, they prohibited Christianity, restricted castles to one per domain, and stipulated that Bakafu regulations were now the national law. The shogunate perceived Christianity to be an extremely destabilizing factor and so decided to target it. Soon after targeting Christians because they felt that the Christians were a destabilizing factor, the Portuguese were permanently expelled. Members of the Portuguese diplomatic mission 
were executed. All subjects were ordered to register at a Buddhist or Shinto temple, and the Dutch and Chinese were also restricted. Besides small trade of some outer dynamo with Korea and the Rukuku Islands to the southwest of Japan's main islands, by 1641, foreign contacts were limited to Nagasaki. The last Jesuit was either killed or reconverted by 1644, and by the 1660s, Christianity was almost completely eradicated, and its external political, economic, and religious influence on Japan became quite limited. Only China, the Dutch East India Company, and for a short period, the English enjoyed the right to visit Japan during this period, and typically for commercial purposes only. And they were restricted to the port of Nagasaki. Other Europeans who landed on Japanese shores were put to death without trial. Like Hideyoshi, Nassau encouraged foreign trade, but was very suspicious of outsiders. He wished to make Edo a major port, but once he learned that the Europeans favoured other ports and that China had rejected his plans for official trade, he moved to control existing trade and allowed only certain ports to handle specific kinds of commodities so things could be monitored and controlled. During the Tokugawa period, the social order, based on inherited position rather than personal merits, was rigid and highly formalized. At the top were the emperor and court nobles, together with the shogun and the dynamo. Below them, where the population was divided into four classes in a system known as Mipusai, the samurai on top, which was about 5% of the population, and the peasants was at 80% of the population on the second level. Below the peasants were the craftsmen, and even below them, on the fourth level, were the merchants. Only the peasants lived in the rural areas. Samurai, craftsmen, and merchants lived in the cities that were built around dynamo castles. Each restricted to their own quarter. Edo society had an elaborate social structure in which every family knew its place and level of prestige. The Edo period bequeathed a vital commercial sector to be in urban centres. A relatively well-educated elite, a sophisticated government bureaucracy, productive agriculture, a closely unified nation with highly developed financial marketing systems, as well as a national infrastructure of roads. By the mid-18th century, Edo had a population of more than one million, likely the biggest city in the world at the time. Osaka and Kyoto each had more than 400,000 inhabitants. Many other castle town towns grew as well. Osaka and Kyoto became busy trading and handicraft production centers, while Edo was the center for the supply of food and essential urban consumer goods. Around the year 1700s, Japan was perhaps the most urbanized country in the world at a rate of around 10 to 15 percent. Half of that figure would be samurai, while the other half, consisting of merchants and artisans, would be known as konochin. The Toyogawa period brought peace, and that brought prosperity to a nation of around 31 million people, 80% of whom were rice farmers. Rice production increased steadily, but population 
remained stable. The first shogun set up Confucian academies in his Xinpan domains and other dynamos followed suit in their own domains, establishing what's known as the Han School. Within a generation, almost all samurai literate as their careers often required knowledge of literacy and the arts. This flourishing Neo-Confucianism was the major intellectual development of the Toyogawa period. Confucian studies had long been kept active in Japan by Buddhist clerics, but during Toyogawa, Confucianism emerged from Buddhist religious control. This system of thought increased attention to a secular view of man and society. The ethical humanism, rationalism, and historical perspective of Neo-Confucian doctrine appealed to the official class. By the mid-17th century, Neo-Confucianism was Japan's dominant legal philosophy and contributed directly to the development of the National Learning School of Thought, also known as the Koyu Gaku. In the field of art, the Rinpa school became popular. The paintings and crafts of the Rinpa school are characterized by highly decorative and slowly designed using gold and silver leaves, bold compositions with simplified objects to be drawn, repeated patterns, and a playful spirit. Clothing acquired a wide variety of designs and decorative techniques, especially the kimono worn by women. The main customers of the kimono were samurai, who used lavish clothing and other material luxuries to signal their place at the top of the social order. Yukio is the Japanese term used to describe the urban lifestyle and culture, especially the pleasure-seeking aspects of Edo, Japan. The famous Japanese woodblock prints known as Yukio-e, or Pictures of the Floating World, had their origins in these districts, and were often depicted scenes of the floating world itself, such as geisha, kabuai, actors, sumo wrestlers, samurai, merchants, and prostitutes. Intriguingly, in the modern age, i.e. about now, the term yukio is described to refer to a state of mind emphasizing living in the moment, detached from the difficulties of life. So how did this near idyllic system collapse? Let's fast forward to the 1840s. Japan had turned down a demand from the United States, which was greatly expanding its own presence in the Asia-Pacific region. The United States wanted to establish diplomatic relations when Commodore James Brittle appeared in Edo Bay with two warships in July 1846. The end of the Edo age is specifically called the late Toyogawa Shogunate. The cause for the end of this period is a tad controversial, but is recounted as the forcing of Japan's opening to the world by Commodore Matthew Perry of the U.S. Navy, whose armada, known by the Japanese as the Black Ships, fired weapons from Edo Bay. Several artificial landmasses were created to block the range of the Amada, and these landmasses remain in what is presently called the Obiada district of Tokyo. You can still go see it. 
The Toyogawa did not eventually collapse simply because of intrinsic failures. Foreign intrusions helped to precipitate a complex political struggle between the Toyogawa shogunate and a coalition of its critics. The continuity of the anti-Toyogawa shogunate movement in the mid-19th century would finally bring down the Toyogawa. Some historians even argue that the Toyogawa was brought down by poor management of the central government by the shogun, which caused the social classes in Japan to fall apart. From the outset, the Toyogawa attempted to restrict families' accumulation of wealth and fostered a back-to-the-soil policy in which the farmer, the ultimate producer, was the ideal person in society. Although Japan was able to acquire and refine a wide variety of scientific knowledge, the rapid industrialization of the West during the 18th century created a material gap in terms of technologies and armaments between Japan and the West, forcing it to abandon its policy of seclusion, which contributed ultimately to the end of the Toyogawa regime. While Japan was asleep, Western intrusions were on the increase in the early 19th century. Russian warships and traders encroached on Karafoto and on the Kuril Islands, the southernmost of which are considered by the Japanese as the northern islands of Hokkaido. A British warship had entered Nagasaki Harbor searching for enemy Dutch ships in 1808, and other warships and whalers were seen in Japanese waters with increasing frequency in the 1810s and the 1820s. Whalers and trading ships from the U.S. also arrived on Japan's shores. Although the Japanese made some minor concessions and allowed some landings, they largely attempted to keep all foreigners out, sometimes using force. Enter Rangaku. Rangaku means literally Dutch learning, and by extension, Western learning. This is a body of knowledge developed by Japan through its contacts with the Dutch enclave of Dejima in Hiroshima. This allowed Japan to keep abreast of Western technology and medicine in the Edo era. Through Renagu, some people in Japan learned many aspects of the scientific and technological revolutions occurring in Europe at the time, helping the country build up the beginnings of a theoretical and technological scientific base. The U.S. expedition was two separate voyages by warships of the U.S. Navy, which took place between 1853 and 1854. The goals of this expedition included exploration, surveying, and the establishment of diplomatic relations and negotiation of trade agreements with various nations of the Asian region. The U.S., not wanting to be left alone while their European brethren carved up Asia, decided to open contact with the government of Japan by force. When Commodore Perry's four-ship squadron appeared in Edo Bay in July 1853, the Pakafu was thrown into turmoil. The chairman of the senior councillors, Abe Masharo, was responsible for dealing with the Americans. Having no precedent to manage this threat to national security, Abe tried to balance the desires of the senior councillors to compromise with the foreigners, then of the emperor who wanted to keep the foreigners out, and the Danimu who wanted to just go to war. Lacking any consensus, 
Abe decided to compromise by accepting Perry's demands for opening Japan to foreign trade while also making the treaty preparations. In March 1854, the Treaty of Peace and Amity, or Treaty of Kanagawa, opened two ports to American ships seeking provisions, guaranteed good treatment to shipwrecked American sailors, and allowed a U.S. council to take up residence in Shimoda, a seaport on the Aizu Peninsula southwest of Edo. Another so-called Treaty of Amity and Commerce between the U.S. and Japan, also known as the Harris Treaty, opened still more areas to American trade and was forced on Japan five years later. The resulting damage to the Bakafu, the Edo shogunate, was significant. The devalued price of gold in Japan was just one immediate enormous effect. The European and American traders purchased gold for its original price on the world market, then sold it to the Chinese for triple the price. Along with this, cheap goods from these developed nations like finished cotton flooded the market, forcing many Japanese out of business. In the final years of the Togawa foreign, contacts increased as more concessions were granted. The new treaty with the United States in 1859 allowed more ports to be opened up to diplomatic representatives, unsupervised trade at four additional ports, and foreign residences in Osaka and Edo were granted. It also embodied the concept of extraterritoriality, i.e. foreigners were subject to their own laws and not to Japanese laws. Bakumatsu is the name for the final years of the Edo period, when the Tokugawa shogunate ended. Between 1853 and 1867, Japan ended its isolationist foreign policy and changed to the modern empire of the Meiji government, known as the Meiji Restoration. The Meiji era was the first half of the empire of Japan when the Japanese people moved from being an isolated feudal society at risk of colonization by Western powers to the new paradigm of a modern industrialized nation-state and emerged great power, influenced by Western scientific, technological, philosophical, political, legal, and aesthetic ideas. As a result of such wholesale adoption of radically different ideas, the changes to Japan were profound and affected its social structure, internal politics, economy, military, and foreign relations. The period corresponded to the reign of Emperor Meiji. So in short, when Japan moved out of the Edo era and into the Meiji, it became one of the only non-Western powers to adopt and behave like a Western power. They established a semi-constitutional monarchy, modernized their military to match the industrialized countries. Japan ultimately industrialized at scale. Japanese students went to Western educational establishments. American and European peoples were brought into Japan to update its Edo-era institutions. After all, they had to. If you did not modernize or westernize, you'd end up like China or India. No one in Japan wanted that. Indeed, Japan westernized so much that by 1905, it defeated Russia in the Russo-Japanese War. Japan had to match and beat the Westerners at their own game. So after defeating Russia, 
They allied with the British against the Germans in World War I, coming out on top and realizing that to be part of the club, a colony was a prerequisite. The Japanese army moved into northeast China, Manchuria, in what was to be a brutal occupation of a country, i.e. China, that had by then lost control of itself and was already brutally run amok by European powers. Japan signed up to ally with Germany in World War II and attacked its former best friend, the U.S. At the height of its Asian land empire, Japan had taken over land as far south as Burma and Singapore. That, by the way, was land already occupied by other people, in this case, the British. So it was occupied, formerly occupied lands. The age ended ultimately and abruptly in 1945 after the firebombing of Japan cities and the dropping of two atomic bombs, one on Hiroshima and the other on Nagasaki, resulting in foreign occupation by the Americans four years after the end of conflict. Still today, in 2021, US troops are in Japan. If your country decided to lock itself off for the next 250 plus years and you came out in the year 2271 or 2300 or something crazy like that, what would you need to do to keep up? You'd do maybe what Japan did. You'd modernize to that age. So there you have it. Japan was in brutal civil war for over a hundred odd years. That forced it somehow to go into hibernation for over 250-odd years that then forced it to come out of hibernation and modernize to keep up with the other powers. It then modernized and industrialized so much and so well that it was able to fight a bunch of wars, including two world wars. It even had a massive land empire. To say that this is a remarkable achievement is an understatement. You have been listening to the Alternative History Podcast. Thank you so very much.